1: We have to change the way we look at things. Jesus was not consumed with the problem. He was focused on the faith. The issue is not that our problems are too big. The issue is that our faith is too small. We don't live as if some of the situations we're encountering and facing in life are a result of the spiritual forces that are at work in this world. It's been a very odd season in the life of our church. We had three funerals uh, this week. Yesterday, I stood here with Miss Cassidy Stock's family and celebrated her life. And In doing so, just thinking about Kathy, I, I pulled up a letter she had sent me About a year and a half ago, after we talked about this subject on Sunday morning, she was unable to be here because of her illness, but she watched on live stream, as some are doing perhaps even now. Maybe at least my mama. But anyway, she watched on live stream that morning, and the next day she sent me this letter. It described an encounter that her father had. She began by letting me know that her father was very antagonistic toward anything religious, When he was in his 20s and 30s, he had a story like a lot of people. He went to church, but he began to notice that the people at church were no different. Some of them even worse than he felt he was. And so he just decided one day he would never go back. And that remained his decision until he was in his 60s. And he developed cancer. And he found himself fighting for his life. And after many years of prayer from a family who were Christ's followers, he gave his life to Christ. And then just a few weeks later, this happened. Kathy says her family was called to the hospital because one night after midnight, her dad started to move in the bed. It was like he was being pulled by his feet off the bed, his arms were fighting. She said, my mother finally laid on top of him to keep him from being pulled off the bed. Then he began to act like he was running. This lasted almost an hour. Then it stopped immediately. He was tired, but he needed to talk. He told of demons pulling him from the bed. He tried to fight them off, but they got him off and he started running. They shot flaming arrows at him as he ran. Finally, he found a barn and he went inside. He closed the door, hoping they wouldn't find him. The barn caught fire all around him. Suddenly Satan was in the doorway calling my dad to come with him. Remember, he's a Christian of seven weeks by this time. But he turned and said, no, you can't have me. I belong to Jesus. And he said, Satan disappeared in a puff of smoke. And then he told his family, I want you to tell my grandchildren that Satan is nothing but a puff of smoke if you belong to Christ. I, I read, read that story to you just to tell you, I don't know your life experience, but I can't read Scripture without acknowledging that there is spiritual battle that goes on in this realm. And, and while we don't need to look at every situation as spiritual battle, we need to acknowledge that in some situations that take place. Some difficult situations happen because of our carelessness. I have a confession. That's happened to me even this week. I was getting my car worked on and actually it was air conditioned and you've seen me sweat on Sunday morning. Can you imagine what it's like to ride around with no air And As my friend was working on the air conditioning, he said, hey, your, your serpentine belt is going bad. We've got a little time, but you're going to want to replace it. I said, I've got time. You got a little time. Let's just say yesterday I was driving down Interstate 75 and the time ran out. I was talking to my friend Rick Estes and I said, I got to go. My car just stopped running. And, and so here I was. Now, there's a part of me that felt like that was spiritual attack because it had been a tough week. But then there's a part of me that looks and says, you know, there are some things I did that contributed to this situation. But sometimes the things we're going through are just opportunities for God to be glorified. And there's a part of me that feels like this was one of those times. So I called AAA. Can I just give you an advertisement? If you're going to have stinky, sorry cars like mine, make sure you got AAA. I called AAA and the guy guy gets there and I think I recognize him. Because again, I have AAA and I've got stinky cars. And so... I begin to talk to him and uh, I figure out he's Palestinian and I say I I think you came to my house before to help me with a different car (laughs) because again I have stinky cars (laughs) and he said "I, I think I did And then about that time, Zach, I texted Zach and said, be praying for me. And Zach texted me back. Pastor, I'm coming. No, no, no. I'm here with Sam from AAA. I'm about to share the gospel. And Zach says, I think that's the guy that picked me up this week. Because Zach, too, apparently has stinky cars. And I said, he's Palestinian. And he said, that's him. And so I turned, I'm i texting and Sam's driving and I turn to him and I say, hey, I think you picked up my friend Zach. He's from Niger. He said, yes, he's a priest, right? I said, well, a pastor. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, that's three strikes. Once with me, once with Zach. And now again for me, I don't have a choice but to tell you what I believe about God. And we ended up having a pretty lengthy and intense conversation. And I look at that situation that honestly, I began by saying, I'm under attack. And then a few minutes later, I recognized I should have changed that belt. And then I resolved to the point of, God, did you really allow me to go through this so that I could have this opportunity to plant another Seed for your glory. Well, let's get back to the miracle. Jesus knew exactly what needed to be done. And he still does. That that's the bottom line. He knows whether this is physical illness, whether this is spiritual attack, whether this is your own lack of faith. He knows what needs to be done. Whether you're facing spiritual attack or simply developing spiritual endurance, rest assured, God is not caught off guard by your circumstances. He knows exactly what you need and he is able. Now we come to the key verse, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? (laughs) And I really think this is one of those moments you have to look at the context and smile. This is the disciples. And we've read enough of Scripture. to We know they're not perfect. But we're not one of the disciples in that way. This was the disciples. And so they pulled Jesus aside and they're like, hey, we got the rebuke. But what gives? Why did it work? They knew what we've read, that he gave them authority. They knew that they had done this before. And they knew that for the nine of them, while Jesus was on the mountain, they tried to do what they had done and it didn't work. And then Jesus said to them, because of your little faith, Truly I say to you, if you have a faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. They ask an honest question, and Jesus gives an honest answer. And he still does today. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, just ask God, and he gives it to you generously. Ask, and he'll answer. He says because of your little faith. Remember our one point? God, grow my faith. For your glory, let's say that together, God, grow my faith for your glory. How often do we struggle with too little faith we 're like this boy 's father we 're like what he said in Mark chapter nine and verse twenty two He comes up to Jesus after describing the illness of his son and, and he says to him, "But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us and Jesus said to him, "If you can." All things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I have to tell you, there's so many times in my life where I relate to this man. I I really do believe. I have faith. I believe. I have the trust that God is who he says he is, and that he does and did what he says he will do and what he said he did. But I need him to help me in those areas where my faith is lacking. Oh God, grow my faith for your glory. Jesus was using one of his favorite phrases to describe his disciples' spiritual battle little faith. This was not the only time he said this. I can't give you all the times, but let me just give you a few. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 26, when they were on the sea and they were afraid, he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. By the way, isn't it interesting when Jesus is demonstrating how faith works, it's, he often is recorded by that word "rebuke." interesting to me Matthew 14 31 Peter is beginning to sink and Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and took some, takes him by the hand and says to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt Matthew 16 8 the disciples had gone aside and they forgot to bring their lunch and Jesus aware of this said oh you of little faith Why are you discussing among yourself the fact that you have no bread? How often do we discover that we have the same problem the disciples have? We are little faith. I was studying this and I I think, man, if if I ever start a church again, if I really want to be honest, maybe I need to call it little faith church because that's more reflective of my life. That's more reflective of how we live our lives. We have to change the way we look at things. Jesus was not consumed with the problem he was focused on the faith the issue is not that our problems are too big the issue is that our faith is too small it's like when i take a child to a theme park and they they're not high, uh, they don't they're not tall enough to to ride a ride and and that's hard to understand in a child's mind and And so they they look at that ride and they say, that's not fair, it's too big. And I have to say, no, it's not that it's too big, it's that you're too small. That's the way it is with our faith. That's why we're praying, God, grow my faith for your glory.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I
1: want to look at that verse just a moment more. The focus of the words of Jesus is not on the mountain. In fact, I need to clarify for you, the disciples never moved a mountain. Did you know that? There's no record of a mountain being moved. Now, I have to tell you, last year when I was in Egypt, we were driving along in the car, and the tour guide says to us, that's the mountain that was moved. And I said, what? What? And and I knew she wasn't talking about, and actually I said, are you talking about the story where Jesus said, no, 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 that's the mountain that was actually moved. And Google it. There's a story that takes place, I think, about the 10th century that some monk or Coptic priest or, or someone said to a mountain, move, and it moved. I don't know. But to my knowledge, there's no mountain that's been moved. And can I tell you, it doesn't even take a miracle to move a mountain. What does it take? Big earth movers or earthquakes or all kinds of things like that. The focus wasn't on the mountain. The focus was on the faith. So I want you to think about faith. What is faith? One preacher said faith is allowing God to move supernaturally into a situation. In in other words, you have a situation and there's a mountain of difficulty around you. And you get out of the way and permit God to move and work in that situation supernaturally. And that mountain is removed. See, if you understand the way this is written, that idea of moving a mountain is actually a phrase that was used in the common language. And so teachers would use that to describe just various obstacles and difficulties in life. And so we all have mountains that need to be moved. We've already established that. Another pastor described faith this way. Faith is a vision of what God can do through you and trusting him to do it. Faith is a vision of what God can do through you and then trusting him to do it. Someone else simply said, faith is believing in God. Another said, faith is taking God at his word. Or faith is believing that the invisible can be accomplished. Another said, faith is seeing and understanding what God's already doing. But my favorite definition is another familiar one. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You might recognize that. That's from the Apostle Paul, I believe, in the book of Hebrews. The focus of the words of Jesus was the faith, not the mountains. He was reminding them that even the smallest amount of faith could overcome the greatest obstacles, the greatest mountains in their lives. And he does this with an illustration that they could easily understand. A mustard seed. I grew up in South Carolina, and so we had farmers all around us, and, and we ate all kinds of stuff now that just looks a lot like grass and weeds and things. But the truth is, if you put enough butter and sugar and bacon grease on stuff, just about anything is good. But I, I, I grew up eating mustards. But a mustard seed is, is really about the size of a speck of pepper. I made me some grits this morning, and I ground some pepper to put in that. And think of a speck of pepper. And you've got the size of a mustard seed. What was Jesus saying? The first thing I think he's saying is that the least amount of faith is greater than the greatest difficulty that we face. So was Jesus contradicting himself? Did he rebuke them for having too little faith, and now he's saying all you've got to have is a little faith? That's a fair question, right? I don't think he is. I think he's saying that when you have the right kind of faith and you're working within my will and you understand the power that's already been given to you, even the littlest bit of faith makes a difference. He was reminding the disciples they already had the necessary power to do what they were told to do. They were just not appropriating what was available to them. And I have to say, Christ follower, if there's something for which we as a church are guilty of today, this is one of those things. If we really believe that God has given us everything we need to do, whatever he's called us to do, then surely we must not be using the power that he has given to us. Even a little faith in your life can bring forth great glory for God. And by the way, there's a difference between that mountain and that mustard seed. You can make a mountain. Just drive down the interstate, you'll see them doing that. You can't make a mustard seed because it's living, it's created for purpose, just like you, on purpose. Mustard seed's alive. The second truth about the mustard seed, you don't have to have faith in yourself or faith in faith. You simply have to have faith in Jesus and all things are possible. This was not a motivational talk from Jesus just to say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. He was not saying, come on, you can do it. Put your gut into it. No. He wasn't saying have faith in yourself. He wasn't saying have faith in some mysterious concept. He was talking about the source. You have to have faith in me, even when I'm up on the mountain, even when you can't see me. Hebrews 11 is that passage of scripture we call the hall of fame of faith or the roll call of faith. And we have all the people in scripture that were these great men of faith. And you just think to yourself, well, I I wish that I had the faith of Moses or the faith of David or the faith of Job or the faith of Jonah or, or name your favorite character, the faith of Peter when he was on or the faith of the apostle Paul. I wish I could have that. Well, guess what? You have the same source. Hebrews 12, right after that says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The very events that we celebrate this week, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ occurred so that you could have the faith you need to do what he wants you to do. And then I think Jesus was trying to help us see that like that little mustard seed, our faith expands as we exercise it. See, your faith is like that mustard seed. It's meant to be sowed. That mustard seed doesn't develop into what it was created to be unless it is sown into the ground. And your faith won't develop until you exercise it. One of the mysteries of this journey with God is that we regularly hear people say, oh, if, if, I, if God would just show me, I would step out. And yet for the Christ follower, what scripture teaches is he wants us to step out so he can show us. He wants us to exercise our faith so that our faith grows. And when we sow those little seeds of faith, God grows it in a mountain moving faith and we can begin to sing. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God unstoppable. What about you? Do you need to pray this one one point message today? Do you need to pray, God, grow my faith for your glory? If so, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. But I want to challenge you because some of you are thinking what I used to think as a little boy. I think I'd have more faith if I'd have been around walking and talking like the disciples with Jesus face to face. I mean, if I had seen him do these miracles, God, if you just show me some of these miracles, I'll have more faith. Would you? Will you? John chapter 12 describes what we celebrate around the world today as Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus. And in verse 36 of that chapter, it says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And though he had done many signs before them, a word for miracles, though he had done many miracles, they still Did not believe in him. God grow my faith for your glory. Maybe you need to be like that lady that touched the hem of her garment. Hem of his garment. And and she said she didn't have a lot of faith. But if I could just touch the hem of his garment I'll be healed. Maybe you're like that father that says I believe help my unbelief. What is it you need to believe God for? Where does that faith need to be exercised in your life? Is it a relationship? Is it a healing miracle? Is it provision? Is it spiritual battle and victory? Exercise that faith. And even today, pray this, God,
0: grow my faith. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis and outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab.